All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Newt News. Uh, we're down the stretch now in September. Uh, first episode we've recorded this month. Obviously, we anticipated it to be a little different than it is right now. Didn't think we'd be talking about a last place September team. Um, but yeah, we've got a loaded episode for you guys today. We're going to talk some Cardinals news. We're going to get around the league also, um, talk about the stuff with the Angels, the Shohei injury, um, which we unfortunately didn't get to cover last week. But Andrew's a resident Angel fan, and he'll be providing some insight there. Um, we've got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about with the Cardinals minor league system. Uh, and then we're going to build out a rotation for 2024. So stay for the whole show. Uh, we're super excited to get going. So I guess the first things first here, um, it's been an up and down week for the Cardinals. Or even since we last recorded, um, they've had some really exciting moments, including back-to-back days with a walk-off for Tommy Edmond, which was awesome. He owns Josh Hader. Uh, but then that was preceded, unfortunately, by two blown saves against the Pirates. So we've seen the Cardinals uh, at their high and at their low in the last couple of days. Andrew, has anything this week really stood out to you? Yeah, Tommy Edmonds has been really exciting. I think he's uh, making me grow a little bit more attached to him this past week. I'm not, not a huge Josh Hader fan, so seeing him own him for a couple of games is really exciting for me. Um, but other than that, it's been a lot of like individual performances watching. Uh, Drew Rahm looked pretty solid yesterday. He wasn't amazing, but he's shown a lot of improvement since his debut, which was really, really bad. Uh, Jordan Walker is the one player I wanted to highlight. His defense has looked really, really good as of late. Um, he's definitely improved a lot since um, since we saw him come up and he was just letting everything drop, uh, misreading things, overthrowing balls. It was just it was not great um, for Jordan Walker. But I think we've, we're finally seeing him put a lot of those pieces together. He made a diving catch the other day that was really nice, uh, saved a run, I think. And then today, uh, McCutcheon um, in the game uh, lined a ball off the wall and Jordan Walker. Uh, made him stop at first base instead of going to second on a double because he just made an amazing laser throw uh, to second base. Um, and McCutcheon, all he could do is just sit in, in awe and be like, wow, that was crazy. Um, that's usually a double most of the time. So Jordan Walker, um, watching him develop this year defensively, as frustrating as it's been, I know there have been people, myself included, who have at points advocated for Walker to to be a DH first baseman type player, but I think we're finally seeing that athleticism show through, and it's been really exciting to see. That's really good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it on here before. You're wasting Jordan Walker's athleticism if you play him elsewhere, but at the same time, you're not winning with him in the field right now. So it's good to see him take some, you know, some improvement. You mentioned Drew Rahm. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring him up him up a bit for a second as well. Now, the results still aren't great. Drew Rahm currently is 0-2 with an ERA of 7.24, but he has been a little bit unlucky. His expected ERA is lower than seven, still not great, still in the upper fives. Um, But I think we're seeing, you know, hints of a pitcher who could be decent. Drew Rahm is definitely auditioning for a spot in the rotation, and he is generating some swing and miss, which is good. Um, He's generating more swing and miss than a lot of the other pitchers available to us. Um, But we'll talk about him more later. Uh, Other stuff that's happened with the Cardinals this week, uh, the blown saves. We've now seen the Cardinals blow, I believe, 27 saves on the season, which is over 50% of their save opportunities. That is 56% of the time. So if the Cardinals have a lead after the eighth inning and bring in a reliever, right, that's a save situation, uh, a lead of three runs or less, they bring in a reliever after the eight, eighth inning. They have, I kid you not, a 44% chance of actually converting the save. That is abysmal. It's unreal. The fact that you're winning less than half the time when you have a lead in the eighth inning, even even a narrow lead, you're winning less than half the time. That's horrible. And so, I mean, honestly, the bullpen is maybe the biggest reason the Cardinals haven't contended this year, which tells me uh, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Obviously, you'd, you'd want a healthy Helsley. Um, you know, you, you'd like to still have Jordan Hicks, maybe. But it's just completely unacceptable. The Cardinals need to be a lot better at locking down wins. Um, one thing that's worth noting is yesterday's blown save. Um, Jojo Romero wasn't available. He threw like 40-some pitches mm-hmm. the before um, in an extra inning game where he was pretty good in the ninth and then in the 10th, had yeah. some bad Babbitt luck. Um, he yeah. gave up like three infield singles or something that were all really weakly hit. I think they scored, the Pirates scored like two or three runs and didn't hit a ball out of the infield. So that was just some really awful luck. Um it's the most 23 Cardinals thing I've ever heard. 
But um, that made Romero unavailable yesterday. Helsley had already thrown the day before coming back from injury. His velo was down a little bit. That was concerning to me. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, he was unavailable yesterday as well. Helsley's often like pitch one day, can't pitch the next day. Um, yes. that, that's something you see with Helsley a lot, which is understandable. But yesterday, Gallegos had already gone. Um, and we had John King uh, getting a hold in the eighth inning, and then we had to have Drew Verhagen come in for a save. And that's just – he blew it. <clears throat> he hit he hit a guy, gave up a home run. The bullpen's just shorthanded. I'm not saying it's bad. Like, Drew Verhagen's been a solid um, seventh or eighth inning. to rename Drew Verhagen Drew Homer Hagen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes. I've never been a huge Drew Verhagen fan, but I, I will admit he's been solid at times this year um, in like seventh, eighth inning. But this this was his seventh, uh, second save opportunity this season and the second one that he's blown. So, I mean, when your bullpen is as, as shorthanded as it is, we traded uh, we traded Hicks. We let Cabrera go. Both of those guys uh, on the Blue Jays now. Um We've been we've been throwing guys like Casey Lawrence, John King, Jacob Barnes, just guys that you would never see in a typical Cardinal season go out there for for high leverage yeah. opportunities. And I mean, that's that's what leads to a lot of the failures that have happened, especially after the trade deadline. Yeah, but I mean, still to me, it's surprising to see a Cardinals team with this many individually good relievers. OK, I mean, I don't think anyone, even the the Geo haters aren't going to be telling me Geo's not a good reliever. Hennessy Cabrera is clearly a good reliever, and obviously he's gone right now. But you had a bullpen that was composed of Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley, Jordan Hicks, Hennessy Cabrera, Chris Stratton, who was really good this year before he was traded, one of the better relievers in the division, honestly. I mean, there are so many individually good performers in this bullpen. The fact that they've blown 27 saves, it just doesn't make sense to me. Where, where are they coming from? Um, Jojo Romero is a really good reliever right now. Honestly, the Jojo Romero Edmundo Sosa trade is one we're going to be cackling about in a few years because Jojo has been awesome with us. We got a closer for free, but to just have six, seven, eight solid relievers, John King since coming over has been fantastic and, and still be able to put together a bullpen performance. That's this awful. It's the lack of clutch. It's just the fact that they give up runs at the wrong times. It's the unearned runs. It's just terrible. But it's it's truly remarkable to me that they have blown 27 games, even if you just win 14 of those blown games. And 14, 13 blown saves is still kind of a lot. Yeah, it's that's still more than a lot of teams. But adding 14 wins to our total puts us instantly in the postseason conversation. If even with as bad as the starting staff is, if the bullpen was just mediocre in save situations we'd be talking about the Cardinals as a wild card team, maybe even the division contender. Yeah. Um, I think this, the story of uh, not performing when you need to is, is essentially the story of the 2023 Cardinals. Yeah. There's not really much you can do about that at this point. Just have to hope that the situational hitting, the situational pitching gets better uh, next year. But with the, with the bases loaded, the, this team is just, just disappears. Oh my gosh. They forget how to hit or they forget how to pitch. Everybody turns into Barry Bonds against us with runners in scoring position. I can't tell you how many times the Cardinals just can't get the third out. I mean, it's like, oh, the first two guys, weak ground outs, we're feeling really good. And then hit by pitch, two walks and a grand slam. And all of a sudden the Cardinals are down. It's just ridiculous. And like the fact that Jordan Walker hit probably the second biggest home run of his season yesterday, right? Like we were all really excited. Jordan Walker smacks one straightaway center field we go up late reminded me a lot of the home run he hit against miami earlier this year and then instantly the bullpen just loses it for him are you kidding me let the kid have a moment yeah it's really tough yeah wanted to get into um building a rotation for for next year right um yeah, I think right before that, though, we wanted to talk a little bit about Shohei Otani and what that means. I mean, obviously for Andrew, he's the first guy you want to put in your rotation next year. Um, but the injury just occurred. So, Andrew, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so has it been two weeks now? Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Shohei Otani tore his UCL um, in a game against the Reds. Uh, he had to come out. Um, I think they initially diagnosed as like arm tightness or just something. The Angels have, I think, downplayed a lot of Otani's injuries this this year. He's been coming out of games, coming out of starts with like finger cramps, hand cramps. Um, yeah. And 
the warning signs were all there that Otani might suffer an injury at some point later in the season that was a lot more serious than what had been going on yeah. before. He had skipped starts. Um, he was pulled from from hitting in a very high leverage spot in one game against the Blue Jays, where they when they were trying to catch them in the wild card. Um, that was a big red flag to me, at least, that something might not be right with him. And I guess we were we were all hoping that we wouldn't have to say that, but he is at least out for pitching for the rest of the year. Torn UCL usually leads to Tommy John surgery, which, in my opinion. Now that the Angels have waived their entire team, um, like Hunter Renfro and uh, Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Lopez, those guys, which was crazy to me. They've completely thrown in the towel on the season, and Otani's still awaiting a second opinion on his UCL to see if he should get Tommy John surgery or not. Before we get into the implications for the Cardinals, I just want to say that Otani should go get a second opinion like today because he's not playing for anything with the angels. If they want any hope of re-signing him, the angels should give him the respect and be like, you should go get your second opinion today. And if the doctor decides that he needs Tommy John surgery to get it now, like it'll prevent him from hitting for the rest of the season. He won't play again for the rest of the season, but who really cares? Like, what is he playing for? The angels single run record. I think he needs like two or three more to get there. He's already locked up the MVP. I think it's like, what, minus 10,000 odds for him to win MVP right now. There's no way that anyone takes it from him. I don't even think anyone else is going to get a vote, even if he he goes the rest of the season without playing. There's no reason for him to be playing if he doesn't have to, uh, if he needs Tommy John surgery. Get him back earlier. It's better for baseball. It's better for the Angels, but... It's just a real shame uh, what's happened with Otani over the last um, couple of weeks, and I, I really hope it gets resolved um, soon. Hopefully he just doesn't need Tommy John and can come back uh, and pitch next next season. I, I don't think that's really a possibility, but um, something he, – he's going to probably still have to miss significant time uh, with the, the elbow injury regardless. Yeah, it's crazy mishandling of the situation by the Angels. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You have this guy, he's a star, he's your whole team. He really is. Like the Angels have had Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on the same team for six seasons. I cannot stress that enough. They have had six seasons of these two playing together and they haven't made the playoffs. In that time, they've also acquired multiple stars. They've spent tons of money in free agency. We're talking about a team that signed just since their last postseason run. They've signed Josh Hamilton. They've signed Anthony Rendon. They've signed Zach Kozart, Tyler Anderson, all of these guys to like large free agent deals, right? Tyler Anderson probably doesn't belong in that group, but they still paid him. They've paid all of these guys and they can't go anywhere. It's unreal to me. And it's almost comical as a guy who's not an Angels fan. Like it's, it's almost hilarious. You have Shohei Otani now though. And and like you said, he could get his second opinion today and he probably should. I agree with you. I think the MVP award's locked up. I don't really see anybody in the AL. Like, Luis Robert is having an awesome season, but who cares? Like, he is so far below Otani in pretty much every way that matters. Maybe in the NL, Mookie Betts or Ronald Acuna Jr. could catch Otani in terms of value by the end of the season if Otani didn't play the next 30 games. But that's not going to happen. Like, and Otani's in the AL, so it doesn't matter. He doesn't really have competition. I agree with you. Go get the second opinion. Get Tommy John today because a month doesn't matter right now, but a month will matter next season. Could bring him back faster. I don't know. But if Otani isn't pitching next year, okay, that changes his market a lot, right? And even if he was pitching, this UCL injury that probably took $150 million off of his contract, right? I mean, you had people at ESPN estimating stuff up near $800 million. Obviously, no one was going to pay that out. That might have been his fair value. Um but that's going to come down. That asking price is going to come down maybe into the fours, maybe even maybe down to four flat. You know, we're talking about him losing a ton of money. So how does this change his market? Is there anyone that's no longer interested in him? Or is this like, does this open the door to a team like the Cardinals maybe who weren't going to spend over $450 million? Well, I think if Tommy John surgery is happening, which I I, I feel like I give it like a 60, 75% chance of happening then the cardinals are definitely out on him um as much as it pains me to say it doesn't make any sense for them to go out and spend 50 million dollars next year on a dh i mean yeah a guy that won't pitch yeah um this team needs pitching and 
like if Otani had not gotten injured, I still would be of the opinion that Otani is the only starting pitcher out on the market um, that has MLB innings. So there's a couple guys from Japan that I'm that are also interesting to me, but that I would be willing to give a big contract to. Um, we'll talk about it later. But Aaron Nola and Blake Snell, yeah. I don't think actually fit this team all that well. Like we might have to end up pressing the panic button and going after one of those two guys. And quite honestly, that would be that could be a potentially really big mistake for the Cardinals if they go out and give like 200 million to to Aaron Nola and then he just completely falls off. He might be good for a couple yeah. of years. The warning signs are all there that he is. Oh, yeah. as, uh, he won't be as great as he he used to be. And Blake Snell, a guy that doesn't eat any innings, um, is another guy that I don't think fits fits the Cardinals because a lot of our bullpen arms can't work that effectively um, if they go mm-hmm. out there too many times. Like Helsley is a guy that absolutely notoriously for not for not being able to to go out there back to back to back days and give you give you those innings. So we're gonna if you get Blake Snell, you're gonna have to revamp your bullpen a little bit. Um and that takes money away that you could be spending on other starters. So it's it's really quite a shame because I think Otani going down is going to bring those starters values up. Um so, say the Dodgers go out and sign Otani. Obviously nightmare situation for me, but um they still need they still need another guy to hold down the rotation for next year. And while I don't think yeah. the Cardinals would sign Urias if they brought you, if the Dodgers brought Urias back, which I think is the most likely out of those options for them, that takes Urias off the table for another team. So another yeah. team that needs pitching is is going to have to be in that bidding war again with the Cardinals for the rest of those pitchers. Um, it, it's gonna it's gonna cause problems for the Cardinals. That's that's for sure. Um, I'm sitting here hoping that he doesn't have to get Tommy John surgery, and maybe if his value dips enough, the Cardinals consider it. Um, but at this point, it doesn't seem that likely. And and the pitching situation for the Cardinals, whether or not they were going to be on in on Otani, just got a lot more complicated. Yeah, it seems like simple supply and demand, right? You take the guy at the top of the market out the pitchers left are going to become more expensive and now there's less of them. And like, it's kind of like the catcher situation last year where really the Cardinals like needed a catcher. And I I mean, we've seen Herrera and Kisner be really good this year. And so people are saying, Oh, they didn't need a catcher. No, they didn't. The the Cardinals weren't going to go to opening day with Andrew Kisner as the starter. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, And Herrera was so bad in 2022 MLB plate appearances. It wasn't a viable plan. Thankfully they've both developed, but I, I, you know, I digress. They needed a catcher. There were only two actual catchers available, which were Murphy and Contreras. And once Murphy was gone, Contreras' price tag, you know, increased. And so I, I think we're going to see that same thing with the pitching market this year. You're absolutely right. And he's not gone by going to another team. So it didn't satisfy any team's needs and it didn't take anyone out of the running. There are still just as many teams that need pitching next season. There's just less pitchers to go around. It's really concerning for the Cardinals. Uh, I think you're right. And so it's a great segue um, sort of to get into the bulk of the episode for us, which is going to be building out a 2024 rotation. Now even Andrew's dream rotation can't work because Otani can't be at the top of it. But again, it's going to make things a lot harder. We're going to talk about how much money the Cardinals have to spend. Presumably it's somewhere in the $40 million a year range, hopefully, um, accounting for some of the money coming off the books. Um, But yeah, I I guess let's just get right into it. So some parameters on this, it looks like the Cardinals are going to be filling three spots, okay? Because Mats and Michaelis are here for the foreseeable future. Both of them have been fine this year. Mats was was like good the second half of the season, but he was so bad at the beginning, he got kicked to the bullpen and now he's hurt. So, you know, Steven Mats not pitching, whatever, second year in a row, he hasn't pitched like at all for us. And then Michaelis seems to have taken some steps back, which is really concerning considering he's the guy they chose to extend. Um, But yeah, so we're going to fill three spots here. I would say I I would consider Matt's to be a four or five right now. I would consider Michaelis to be a three. So for me, you're probably looking at filling a one, a two and a four, five type. Andrew, would you kind of agree with that assessment? Yeah. Um, I feel like Michaelis might even be a four. I trust Matt's more than Michaelis right now. Really? Really? Um, I mean, Matt's has shown like flashes of like being really, really solid this season. And if he comes back healthy next year, 
I, I know Matt's gets a lot of hate from Cardinal fans because he can't stay healthy and he's like been inconsistent in the past. But yeah, there was like a two three month stretch this season where oh, Matt yeah. was the best pitcher on this team and one of the best pitchers in the league. Like, I don't think we can say that, but I don't think we've seen that from Michaelis since like early last year. I think Matt's is a few years younger than Michaelis. Yes. All right. Yeah. So Michaelis is going to continue to probably regress. Um, I I don't want to talk about aging pitchers with Wayno right now. Um, We could see, see a pretty big fall off from, from Michaelis and what we've seen this year might end up being, being what he is for real and that is not what what anybody wants to see so i'm gonna pencil mattson as my three and michaelison as my four but um i guess i'll lead off and say that one guy that i the guy i want to be my five next year is jose quintana uh, from the mets love that um, i think the mets have shown willingness to eat um significant portions of contracts for good prospects I think Quintana's only making like eleven to thirteen million dollars next year anyway. Yeah. Um, so we could get him with a couple of mid-tier prospects. He's only going to be a one-year rental, but um the Mets, I think, are still gonna be in a place of rebuilding next year. I think there were rumors that they were even gonna trade Pete Alonso, who's gonna be a free agent at the end of next season. So that would be really interesting. If they moved Alonso, then they'd have to trade Quintana, right? So um they'd have to at least hear offers. And Quintana's been really good in the past. Uh, fits in with the Cardinals, has a deep friendship with Wilson Contreras, who, who's caught him before. So that that I think yeah. is really important. Um, I, we'll have a viewer question about about catching later later in this episode um, that we'll address. Yeah. Um, but I think his relationship with Contreras is important, and I think he's just a good fit for this team. I, he's done nothing but but shove for the Cardinals. Absolutely, yeah. I, I really like your assessment at the back end there. Um, I think we'll probably form some tiers here of fives that are available. For me, if if you think the Cardinals need a five, then I think it's okay to start talking about internal options for that five. There are a few guys that I think fit into that. I love the Jose Quintana idea. And I don't think you have to give up a great prospect to get Quintana from the Mets, especially if you take on some of the salary. Like I think the Cardinals could take on like $8 million for Quintana. Right? We're talking $8 million. Uh, the Mets eat five and you trade them like a middling prospect. You're not going to have to give up like a Herrera. You're not going to have to give up a McGreevy or a Hence. You could give up somebody that's just okay and probably be able to get that, right? We've seen that get done with the, the Mets already this year. They were willing to trade Verlander and eat a ton of that money. And they're willing to trade Scherzer and eat a lot of that money. So it's wild that neither of them is on the Mets anymore. That's just, uh, but yeah, so I think... Um, I like the Quintana idea for me. The only other guy um, that's outside the organization that sort of fits into this group besides like some weird guys is probably Frankie Montas. Um, I've been beating this drum a lot this year. I really like Frankie Montas. I still really like him. I know he hasn't pitched this year. I know he was really bad after getting traded to the Yankees last year, but Frankie Montas feels a lot like Kevin Gosman did a few years ago to me. What do I mean by that? I mean, Frankie Montas is the type of guy that's going to go for like nothing this offseason. And then I'm going to be screaming about how we could have had him. And he's like a top of the rotation talent at his best. We could have had him for nothing. Think about the like, think about what the, the Yankees gave up for one and a half seasons of Montas. They were willing to part with their number five prospect, Waldachuk. They were willing to part with their numbers 10, 11, and 20 prospects. Okay three pitchers who are in their top 10 organizationally. Like that's a big deal to part with all that talent. Um, That tells me that they really, really liked him. And I think the Yankees seem to know what they're doing with pitching. They have a really good rotation. Um, They've developed a ton of pitching talent. And we were talking about linking the Cardinals to the Yankees at the deadline, trying to get some pitching talent. So I would really like to see Montas be a Cardinal. And like some of these career numbers are really encouraging. I've got his uh, baseball reference page pulled up. But like, if you go back and look at his 2021 season in Oakland, he made 32 starts, 187 innings. So he's a workhorse, over 200 strikeouts, which is something we haven't seen a Cardinal do uh, in quite a while. ERA plus over 120. This guy's a stud. Go back to his 2019 campaign. Uh, it was abbreviated because he got suspended. But in the 16 starts he made, he had an ERA plus of 164. In a full season in 2018, ERA plus of 107. And then before the deadline uh, with Oakland in 2022, he had an ERA plus of 116. This guy is a stud. He could actually legitimately be 
one of your top two guys at the price of a five. I think Montes is going to be looking for some kind of prove it deal, a lot like Rodon did, a lot like Gosman did. And I would love the Cardinals to be that team. We haven't seen them do it in the past. I really want them to be it now. I think for Montas, you're talking about probably $8 million a year AAV, maybe even less. Like this is a type of guy you might be able to get two years, $16 million. And I think if you don't make that move, it's pretty disappointing in my opinion. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Also, you've got options there, but none of those are that exciting. I mean, the Yankees have gotten a lot of players that have struggled um, in their uniform Donaldson, I think, is actually going to be a sneaky good pickup by the Brewers, by the way. Um, he's been he's been good at every stop in his career, except with the Yankees. Yeah. I know he's aging, but we've seen a lot of players go to the Yankees and really, really fall off. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's the clubhouse culture, if just the fans are just awful to them because they like we've seen reports of Joey Gallo being like, I'm unable to walk on the street because people will harass me or whatnot. Yeah. Joey Gallo has been better. Um, another guy who I think Montas could come to. I know, I know uh, he played for the Yankees this whole time. He wasn't really that hurt um, with them. But Sonny Gray, um, who I think oh, is like, I was about to bring him up, um, is another guy that um, could come to Montas. He's not going to be on my list of, of pitchers that we should target per se. Um, I think there's two other guys that uh, we can get with uh, trade and free agency that will still be um, like just as effective, but. Um, if Montes can do anything on the caliber of what Sonny Gray did after he left New York, I think that would be a really good good option for us yeah. as our fifth starter. Dude, I, I'm a huge Sonny Gray fan. I was actually about to bring him up. I remember back in 2019 with Cincinnati, he finished seventh in Cy Young voting. I actually made an argument that he should win the whole thing. Um, he was fantastic with them. And this year, Sonny Gray might just get a Cy Young award with Minnesota. I mean, listen to how good he's been. His ERA is 2.92. That leads the American League. His ERA plus, 150. That leads the American League. His FIP, 282. That leads the American League. Guess how many home runs he's allowing per nine innings? 0.3. That leads all of baseball among qualified starters. This guy does everything the Cardinals want him to do. And by the way, he generates enough strikeouts to get by. We're seeing Sonny Gray this year. He's generating about nine strikeouts per nine innings. Um, but in the past, we've seen him do even more than that. With Cincinnati, he turned in seasons with 11.6, 10.5, 10.3. And honestly, the only place he's been bad, New York Yankees. Um, and, and he even had a good season up there. So I really think the Cardinals need to be looking at Sonny Gray. He's probably my two or my one, frankly. And I think he's another guy that you could get on a lower deal. One of the most underrated pitchers, um, honestly, of the last 10 years considering where he's been right he played in oakland cincinnati minnesota so it kind of makes sense and was bad with new york um but i would love to see the cardinals target sonny gray yeah my i love sonny gray i was gonna have him on my list but the only issue that i have with him is the fact that he is contending for the cy young this year um and i think he's overperforming a little bit um and i think that might bring his value up to a point where the cardinals would maybe make a mistake like the Robbie Ray contract for the Mariners. Um, Robbie Ray won the Cy Young. He really overperformed in his year in Toronto. And look at how that's turned out for the Mariners. Like he was, he reverted back a little bit, regressed quite a bit last year. Um, and he's been hurt all, all year this year. And I feel like Sonny Gray, um, if he wins a Cy Young, I don't think his value is going to be as low as you, as you think it is, especially because it'll be covered by national media. Like right now, it's it's a two horse race in the American League. I think between Garrett Cole and Sonny Gray, and um, if Sonny Gray wins that award, he's going to get paid a lot this offseason, I think. I, I think you're right. That's that's a little concerning to me, but at the same time, like we've seen him be really good in the past. He's had two like actual Cy Young caliber seasons and hasn't gotten the recognition. I'm not sure it starts right now. Plus, he's in Minnesota. So, I mean, he's not really in the national spotlight. And while that shouldn't matter, it still does. I don't know. I mean, I think Sonny Gray is just so reliable. Sonny Gray has had like at least six or seven good seasons. Seasons where you're like, wow, if that was my ace, like we'd be okay. I mean, counting this year, assuming he's going to like finish well, Sonny Gray has had an ERA plus above 100 in one, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his 11 MLB seasons. 
that's really, really good. And the only two he's had below um, was a shortened year with Oakland where he got hurt. And then a year in New York, because like we said, guys just sometimes underperform with the Yankees in all of those seasons where it's been above hundred, by the way, it's only been below 120 once. And that was a 112 ERA plus season in 2021 with Cincinnati where he was serviceable and would have made a fine three. So this is a guy like he's just been underrated his whole career and maybe he gets the respect he deserves right now, but I'd still pay up for him. He's a, he's a little older. You probably get him on a shorter deal. Like I don't think a lot of teams are going to be lining up to give him more than maybe three or four years, considering he's already 33. Like sure. If the sunny gray market, we're talking about pushing six years, then no, I'm out. I'm not going to pay him through age 40. Um, But again, like, this is a guy who's super reliable. Pretty much every year is 20% above league average as a pitcher. I really like Sonny Gray. For my um, number two pitcher, I'm going to go with another guy that I've talked about um, before. And I, I don't even, not even sure if he's going to be available, but if if the team that has him currently has any knowledge, which I mean, that's to, to, to call the Angels smart is, is to basically just lie. Um, but Patrick Sandoval is a guy that I've been really interested in. And I'm going to be honest, if the Angels don't move on from him at some point and get value for him, they're just making a huge mistake. Um, he is coming off not so great year, a 4.19 ERA with the 4.08 fit, but he's shown flashes of being really, really good in the past. And the Angels are known to mismanage their pitchers. You like Again, just like the Yankees, there will be guys – who were like, oh, I didn't know he played for the Angels. And you'll look at his numbers with the Angels, and they were just terrible. Like Jose Quintana, was like not great with the Cubs uh, after he left, but then went to the Angels and was absolutely dreadful. And then he went to the Pirates, uh, Cardinals, and Mets, and he's been really good after that. Um, that's another guy I think we can we can buy low on. Um, the Angels are in desperate need of, of rebuilding their farm system after parting with all of their guys to get players that they just waived last week. Um, their farm system is in dead last, I think, right now. Um, Patrick Sandoval is a guy that I think, in in times with like high energy, he's gonna be he's gonna be even better. Like in Anaheim right now, the energy is really low, so maybe that's why he's not pitching as great. But we saw what he did in the World Baseball Classic. He carved up the Japanese batters for like five to six innings. It was yeah. really really good stuff out of him. Um, and I know that's one game, but. We've seen a lot of what he can do. Last year, he had a 141 ERA plus, two point. Very, very good. ERA. He was so good for the Angels. Yeah. And with Otani almost certainly on his way out, Sandoval, I think, has three more years of control, two more years of control. He's, he doesn't have that much more control left. Um, and, <clears throat> I mean, are the Angels really going to make the playoffs in the next two years? Like, is that what we're really going at? I know, I know ownership might believe that they can, but – with an aging Mike Trout, who I think should get traded at the end of this this season if if they don't retain Otani. Yeah. Patrick Sandoval is a guy that, that we could go after to make our number two starter. No, I, I agree with that. I, I like that assessment a lot. I think I, I look at the Angels and Reed Detmers is another name that kind of jumps out to me. He's been down this year, but he'd be a fine five. He's a guy I hadn't really considered before this, but I like Sandoval. I really do. Last year, he was awesome. And this is the third straight year he's been an above average pitcher, right? Like for me, if you can build a rotation with four or five guys with ERAs above like ERA plus is above like 110, you're talking about a really good rotation. You don't necessarily have to have that one guy who shoves. You just need to have five guys who pitch well. That's enough to get to the postseason. That's what the Cardinals have done in the past, and it's worked well. This is the first year we've really seen the Cardinals not have multiple competent pitchers, and it's killing us. Um, for me, my one here, it's on brand, somebody that I just love and I'm constantly talking about is Dylan Cease, right? Dylan Cease is coming off a down season too. And I think that's really important for the Cardinals because his value is going to be way down comparatively. So this year we've seen Dylan Cease, like honestly, be kind of bad. Dylan Cease has an ERA of 4.91. Um, he has made 28 starts, which currently leads the American League. He's on pace to make like 32 or 33 starts. Super reliable. He made 32 starts last year. He made 32 starts in 2021. Also led the American League. Um, he's got some problems. He's got some control issues. He's walking over four batters per nine, but he strikes out a lot of guys. 
Uh, this is the third straight year in which he's had a strikeouts per nine over 10 and a half. So we went 12, three, 11, one, 10, seven this year. He doesn't allow like that many home runs. Um, again, his FIP is much lower than his ERA. So his FIP right now is 3.82, which is very serviceable. So that 90 ERA plus is actually pretty misleading. He's been hurt by the White Sox bad defense, which I mean, the Cardinals defense really sucked for a lot of this season. But since Nolan uh, Arnato's turned it on, since wins come up, I have a lot more faith in this infield. Gorman's obviously taken steps forward. Um, Goldie's actually had a really good defensive year, which is surprising considering how bad the defense overall has been. But I really like Dylan Cease. The reason I like this as well, this is a mixed approach for the Cardinals. What I mean by that is if they go with my plan, Montas, Sonny Gray through free agency, Dylan Cease via trade, you're not going to have to commit to one spot where you're going to have to do something you can't, especially if you get Montas like less than 10 million a year. We're talking maybe 25 million a year for Sonny Gray. And then you can part with some decent prospects for Dylan Cease. Now, the White Sox aren't contending. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to want for Cease. Edmund probably isn't interesting to them. Carlson probably isn't interesting to them. You might have to part with actual young talent, but that's okay. The Cardinals haven't developed one of these guys in a long time, and Dylan Cease is that guy. He almost won the Cy Young last year, had an ERA plus of 180. Coming off this down season, the value is going to be just low enough, I think, for the Cardinals to snatch him, put him in that rotation. Come on, this rotation would be awesome. You're talking about Dylan Cease as your one, Sonny Gray as your 1B, then you've got Miles Michaelis, Steven Matz, and Frankie Montas rounding it out. I really love that rotation. Yeah, um, you're going to have to part with some really good prospects, though, if you get, you get Dylan Cease. I think the White Sox made him um, fairly unavailable at the deadline. Yeah. Shopped him in the last like couple hours of the deadline, but for the most part, they're like he's off limits, which yeah. is unfortunate because I don't think that White Sox team is really going anywhere in the future. <laughs> Not at all. Bad. I was thinking of having Dylan Cease as my – my number two, but I, I figured Sandoval um, has similar upside and um, he'd uh, definitely cost a lot less in terms of prospect capital because um, the Angels are a little bit more desperate um, in terms of finding prospects. Um, yeah, so uh, for my number one pitcher for next year, I'd like to go with a more risky take um, from the Japanese league, a guy we've talked about a lot on this show, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, he's been absolutely lights out this year, ERA of 1.34. Um, whip of 0.93. I know the, the Japanese league has been going through a little bit of a dead ball era this year, uh, comparable to some of the worst years um, in MLB in terms of league-wide OPS. Um, but Yamamoto has been good his entire career in Japan. He's only 25 years old. We can develop him to be even better than he already is. Um, and while in the past, guys from Japan, like Yusei Kikuchi, might not have panned out the way that, that teams have wanted them to, and some of those contracts look pretty bad in hindsight, um, the Kodai Senga deal with the Mets, I think, is really indicative of what a really top-tier Japanese pitcher can be. And I think Yamamoto is even a tier above Senga. Um, he was better than Senga for a lot of his time in Japan. And it's really important to get a young guy. Um, in that rotation that you can have for, for many years to come. Michaelis is aging. Matz is aging. Quintana would be aging. Sandoval's still pretty young, but Yamamoto would be another young guy in that rotation that I think is really important to have. Um, the Japanese league has pumped out really, really good players. Like in one game, they were went toe-to-toe with the Americans, like with Mike Trout, with Goldschmidt, with Arenado. Like those, those pitchers over there, they're for real. And if we can get a guy in Yamamoto, who I think the league is undervaluing a little bit, to be honest, I think he's the most valuable free agent pitcher on this market right now. Um, if you don't count Otani, who, who can't pitch right now. Um, so if you get Yamamoto, I think that's way better than than spending that kind of money on, on an Aaron Nola or a Blake Stone. I think he, he might even go for a little bit less than some of those guys. Um, and I think out of all of those guys, he's the best pitcher. Mm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think Yamamoto is an absolute stud. And I love the the Kodai Senga inclusion there because he's going to get down ballot Cy Young appreciation. Maybe even like you could see him finish in the top six or seven now in the National League, especially with Montgomery shipped out. Um, like they're, they've been really similar this year. Yeah, I, I really love what you're saying there. Um, I think I'd be happy with the Cardinals signing him as their one. And so that brings us kind of to the end of this discussion. We're going to sort of separate these guys into tiers. So we're just going to be rapid firing pitchers. Um, we're going to do tiers one, tier two, tier four, and then depth tier, right? So depth tier is really important. I'm going to explain that really briefly. That's something the Cardinals didn't have this year. What we didn't have 
was actual depth that could come up and start if something happened. We saw Woodford was the guy. Hudson's been the guy. That is not that is not like the type of depth we want to see from the Cardinals. What we want to see is the stuff the Yankees have, right? Where Clark Schmidt is the guy that comes up and like gives you actual major league innings. They're productive. It's helpful. Now Hudson's been decent, but like I think a lot of that's a facade. That's something we can talk about when we get there. Um, but so let's just start. I think the guys at the top of the list, most people are going to agree with this. I don't think it's super controversial. Yamamoto, Cease, Nola. Is there anybody else we haven't really talked about that's up there? Like, it's pretty thin. I I don't think Nola's top tier. I'm going to be honest. Like, he, he's been great. If we get 2018, 2019 Nola, that's amazing. But I think 2023 Nola has shown us that even with – even with the Phillies' bad defense, his peripherals have dipped a little bit. His velocity is not as high as it used to be. And he's just not been as effective as he was in the past. And entering his age 30 season, the warning signs are definitely there. I, the one guy I would put in that tier is Julio Urias. I know the Cardinals will never sign yes. him domestic violence and, and the personal issues that he's had in the past. I think he's really good, and if the Cardinals want to give him a look, it would probably upset a lot of fans. I don't know how I would feel about that. Some of those guys are, they're not my favorite players to go out and sign. So that's a guy we haven't even talked about. Um, Absolutely. But I think Urias, Yamamoto and Cease are the three like top tier pitchers that might be available this off season. Yeah. I mean, I have one more sneaky guy who honestly, I'll just include in tier two. Let's jump to tier two here. The guys we've already mentioned, um, obviously, the guys we picked, Sonny Gray and Patrick Sandoval, are, are clearly tier two guys um, with potential to be tier one guys. I think Nola's probably a tier two guy. He's going to get tier one money, though. That's what we kind of talked about avoiding him. Um, but a really sneaky guy kind of on the border of tier one and tier two, in my opinion, is Clayton Kershaw. Now, no one's disputing Clayton Kershaw's greatness. I don't yeah. think he's leaving L.A. I know it's a pipe dream. But, like, if I'm the Cardinals, I would give Clayton Kershaw whatever he wanted if there was any hope that he was going to pitch anywhere else. Because that guy – in my opinion, he's the greatest pitcher of our lifetime. Definitely of, um, you know, the 21st century. I think he's the only guy that can be compared to like Randy Johnson. I, I, that's like pitched in this era of the game. In my opinion, he clears Verlander. He clears Scherzer. But I, I still don't think he ever leaves LA. But in the event that he did, that's a guy that you ought to pay him just whatever he wants. But it's a pipe dream. <laughs> Is there anybody else in this tier in your opinion? I mean, Clayton Kershaw is a guy that I forget as a free agent every year because he just goes yeah. back to the Dodgers around Christmas time and yeah. you're like, oh, he was a free agent? I didn't even know that. Um, he's a guy that I don't think will ever leave L.A. just for his legacy's purposes. He's been he's a legend. And, like, I don't think he really wants to leave. He's going to contend every year. That's yeah. a really good organization. <clears throat> and as much as I'd like to see him with the car, it just feels wrong too. Right. Like it just seeing him in red, it would just be, it'd be strange. Um, but in tier two, I guess Blake Snow goes in tier two as well. And he's a really effective pitcher. I just don't like the fact that he doesn't need innings. Um, if we could pay him less than what he's going to get to get him, I wouldn't mind having him, but I think he's, he's another two, three tier pitcher. That's going to get one money, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I say that Blake Snell did go seven scoreless against us the other day, but that's because the Cardinals lineup was really struggling it's at that point. So yeah. I think there are more tier two guys. How about Jordan Montgomery? Yeah. I think um could we see a Cardinals Montgomery re reunion? Like maybe. <laughs> I would probably like that a lot. I really like Jordan Montgomery. I think he's awesome. Um, but at the same time, I think he's gonna get big money. I'd be hesitant. I think he's going to get a longer-term deal than a guy like Sonny Gray, which is why he's so appealing to me. Um, so, yeah, there is that. I love Sonny Gray because he only costs you money, and it probably isn't that much money. Um, another guy, kind of sneaky. Um, we talk about – we have a lot of, like, Seattle-St. Louis discussion on here, talking about some of those young pitchers like maybe Gilbert or maybe Wu or Miller. Uh, Emerson Hancock, he's probably a Tier 4 guy. Honestly, so is Wu right now. Um but maybe Robbie Ray. I wonder, like, Seattle's paying him a lot of money. I think they'd eat a lot of it, maybe in exchange for some decent return. Like, what does a Robbie Ray deal look like? Is there any chance they could be persuaded to move on from him? I know they're not going to trade Castillo or Kirby or Gilbert, but, like, maybe Robbie Ray is a little bit expendable. I think they might want to clear some of that money off if they're really in the Otani um, pursuit. So that's interesting to me. And then Miami's young arms have to be talked about. 
Um, what does Jesus Luzardo look like? Is Braxton Garrett a two? Braxton Garrett's probably a four in my opinion, but like maybe, you know, I think some of those young arms are really interesting and deserve a look. Um, but that's pretty much all the twos I've got. Is there anyone else kind of in this like top, you know, like actual A tier front of the rotation starter in your opinion? Yeah, Dakota Hudson. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we can go on to the uh, next year. <laughs> yeah. And these are going to get progressively bigger as we move down because there's a lot more fours in the league than there are twos. Yeah, for sure. Um, Shane Bieber, I guess, maybe a two, but he's been injured a lot. Mm. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know how we haven't been talking about him besides the injury. Like that guy still shoves, still worth being talked about. Oh, one more. I'm so sorry. I wanted to talk about Mitch Keller. I pulled up his page. Mitch Keller is awesome. Now, I know he's a pirate. I know the Pirates, like, for some reason, think they're going to contend at some point, even though they literally never do. Um, I really like Mitch Keller. He has a lot less time on his deal, right? This is already his fifth season, um, although I think he only got one year of service time between 2019 and 2020, so he probably has two years of control left. He's been really good this year. He's made 28 starts after making 29 starts the year before, so he's been healthy. He's already thrown 170 innings this year. He's going to approach 200 He's been a 115 ERA plus guy. He was an all-star. Gets a lot of strikeouts. Doesn't allow that many walks, like less than three walks per nine. His ERA is 3.93, which is actually worse than his FIP. So he's been a little bit unlucky. I really like Mitch Keller, and I'm not sure he costs that much. He's not a super high-profile name. But within the division, it's tough to trade. Yeah. Um, I think we go into like 3-4 tier right now. Um, yeah. The first name I want to throw out um, is Reed Detmers. We talked about the Angels' arms. Yeah. I don't think Reed Detmers is going to be in the Angels' long-term plans for competing if they even have one. Like, do they really? Um, <laughs> I don't – he, he's a young arm that's been really off and on with the Angels, but, again, Angels pitching development, not great. Um, we've seen flashes of greatness. Um, last year he threw a no-hitter and he threw an immaculate inning. Um good stuff in the minors. And I think um, if we could swing a trade for him for maybe some not so great prospects, I think Anaheim would consider it. Yeah. I, I love that a lot. Um, another guy I'm thinking about also from the American league is uh you say Kikuchi. We've seen him like have some kind of resurgence here. Now, is he overperforming? Probably. I don't think he's actually this good. We saw him in Seattle, but I think he's serviceable. I think he's a really good four right now. He's one more year left on his deal um, with Toronto. So I don't know if they'd be like super willing to trade him. They want to compete again, but they have a lot of depth. They have some of those young guys, like I know Nate Pearson, they're really excited about, um, although he kind of has not been great this season. And then obviously Manoa um, had kind of a clown season. Um, <laughs> but like, I think Kikuchi is really interesting. And if there was any way in which they were willing to part with him on a one-year deal, he could kind of be a stopgap guy. Um, he could be a really good stopgap guy before some of your actual like exciting young arms like Bedell, Hans, Jerpy are ready. Because we're talking about 2025 ETA for those guys. And so if Kikuchi gets you through 2024, really, really good four pickup. There's a ton of fours. Uh, Clark Schmidt from the Yankees, also an interesting arm. Talked about him at the deadline a lot. Don't have to spend a lot of time on him. But the Yankees are loaded with those types of guys. Luis Severino, I think is going to be a free agent. And he lost a lot of money based on how he pitched this year. Maybe he's a bounce back guy for the Cardinals. We obviously already discussed Montas. I really like him as a bounce back candidate for the Cardinals. Sean Manaya is a possible bounce back candidate, even though he's been terrible with the Giants. Um, is there anyone else that sticks out to you, Andrew? Um, I feel like we shouldn't really be going after these four or five type starters. So not not many catch my catch my attention. That's fair. Um, one guy I think for a depth option is Fujinami uh, from the A's and the mm. Orioles. Um, I don't think he's a four caliber starter, but we've seen him show the ability to be a long man. Like he started some games for the A's and he's been a, been a solid reliever for the Orioles. He's really, really yeah. wild. He's like Jordan Hicks times 10 with how wild he is. Um, it's not very fun to watch if you're an Orioles fan, but if you want to give him a shot, Maybe he can talk to talk to Contreras or or some of our catching. We'll talk about Molina in a second. We had a viewer question about that. Um, and then, but if you get if you give Fujinami a good enough shot and he finds figures out his command, he was really really good in Japan um, when he wasn't walking like 10, 12 percent of the hitters that he was facing. So 
I think that's a guy that you could give a flyer on like a minor league deal. Yeah. And, and Fujinami again, hasn't been like awful with Baltimore. He's got an 87 ERA plus and he's underperformed uh, his FIP. So he's been a really average reliever there. He doesn't give up a lot of hits. He just walks a lot of guys. He's walking more than four per nine, but again, 10.8 strikeouts per nine is really, really good. And yeah, I've seen him throw 103 miles an hour. Like that's really fun. Um, I understand why Oakland gambled on him. It didn't pay off for them. They didn't get anything back from the Orioles, uh, but he's an interesting name. Um, I just think like the Cardinals probably have to go out and get this third guy because I'm looking at them organizationally. And there are a couple guys that could be that four starter. And so we'll talk about that um, just in a second here, but like, there's not a ton, you know, it's not like we're saying, Oh, they've got 12 guys in the organization that could all step forward. If someone does, uh, come internally to be that fourth starter. I think there's maybe four options for me. Those are Zach Thompson, who just went seven innings today, gave up three runs. Like he looked really good. That's the type of uh, performance I'm looking for out of him. Now that he's stretched out, see him pitch through the seventh inning is really exciting for me. Like I love that out of Zach Thompson. I think Libertor is another guy. Like when he's on, he's on. He could be a really good pitcher, um, but. He's just so wild. Like the velocity's up one day, he's throwing 98 from the left side. And we're thinking, wow, this guy's going to be an ace. And then the next time he's throwing 92 and like, I don't know, no disrespect to uncle Charlie, but it's like, wow. Like, I wonder why fastballs at 90 miles an hour get hammered, you know? So it, it does worry me a little bit, but Libertor's in the conversation. I think Kloffenstein has to be in the conversation. He's been really good with AAA since being acquired from the Blue Jays. And then McGreevy is the fourth guy for me. McGreevy just shoved last night, six and two thirds scoreless, got nine strikeouts, only allowed one walk. This year in AAA, he's got like a 4-3 ERA. He's been there all season, been healthy all season. Uh, for the most part, he generally pitches at least into the sixth. That's another option for me. Um, I will know. I just pulled up the MLBTR um, free agent list. There's one more guy I want to talk about in that four tier. Well, I think it was flown under the radar a little bit. I forgot about him until I went through the list. Um, and that's Michael Lorenzen. <clears throat> Michael oh Lorenzen yeah. was an all-star this year with the Tigers. And I was like, why is he an all-star? He's like a 3.9 some ERA. And then he immediately caught fire after the all-star break. And he's been really, really good. He threw a no-hitter for the Phillies. Um, and he's a guy that I think throws a lot of innings, doesn't really get hurt, and is really reliable. Um, could be a good four-starter, cheap deal. He's also a bit of a two-way player. Um, he hit a home run as an outfielder once, so that's that's fun. Um, I like two-way players. Hear me out. This is going to sound really crazy. Um, but my first depth guy coming from outside the organization, actually, is Sixto Sanchez. <laughs> Just, just listen to me for one second. Don't You're talking me. about someone who doesn't exist. I know. I'm, I'm not sure he does exist. But if he does, okay, I could see the Marlins just, like, being so done that they'll just give him up for anything. And, like, that's a guy who, in 2020, he was electric. Like, the Sixto Sanchez that introduced himself to the baseball world um, by immediately taking the Marlins to the playoffs and then being an ace in the playoffs against the Cubs in that series, that guy was awesome. So I am starting to wonder, like, Maybe he's an op like an option for depth. I I'd like to have him more than I'd like to have Dakota Hudson. Like, you know, Dakota Hudson has the worst strikeout minus walk ratio in all of baseball. He walks almost as many as he strikes out. That's insane. It's like 9% walk rate, 15% strikeout rate. And he's overperforming in that department right now, too. Um, in his last full season. We saw Dakota Hudson not only have the lowest walk rate among or the highest walk rate among all MLB starters, he had the lowest strikeout rate too. He just doesn't do anything right on the mound. So I don't know. I'm a little worried if Dakota Hudson's your guy. The other guys that are available again within the organization, I know Andrew might have a couple guys outside. Drew Rahm should be depth next year. Andre Pallante, like maybe could be depth next year. Um it's really tough. Like Connor Thomas wasn't good enough this year to be depth for next year. And he's probably going to get cut over the off season, which is such a bummer after the Arizona fall league um, performance he had, which was like quite legendary. And then <laughs> like Semmer Bursa is not ready. Um, none of these young guys are ready, which is a little scary. Um, Bedell is too young. When, when, when are they going to promote him? Like he's still um, just pitching at high a and dominating every time out. Mott's is too young. Hence isn't to like coming up till 2025 jerpy 2025 at the best after being injured for a lot of this season. 
So again, like even with a talented pitching pipeline, most of these guys are just too far away. You take a flyer on Jack Flaherty. He's been terrible for the Orioles. Hey, maybe he lost a lot of money and maybe he could come back. I don't know. I feel like the fans have a lot of emotional baggage with Flaherty, and I don't really want to see what happens on Twitter if we sign him back. That's just not going to be good. But I wouldn't have a problem with it. Actually, this is a really like spicy take. I don't have a problem with anything Flaherty has said since joining the Orioles. Like all of the interviews where he's like, "Oh, it's nice to have fans that care." Yeah, the fans mm-hmm. aren't going to the games right now, and like that's it's both valid for the fans to not go to the games, and it's valid for the players to be annoyed about it. Like, oh, I'm sorry Bush Stadium wasn't loud at all. We suck. Whose fault is that? It's Bill DeWitt's fault, okay? It's nobody else's fault. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's fine that fans aren't going to the games, and it's fine that the players are mad. I, I totally get that. I also, like, the one thing that was annoying was, like, the art of pitching conversation early in the season. Like, Jack, when you don't throw hard, it's not good. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, we should wrap up and, and get into our, our viewer question from last week. Uh, Absolutely. Jack uh, over on YouTube. He was asking us if we saw the clip of AJ Prasinski discussing Yadier Molina's uh, impact on the club um, and how he sort of operates as a quasi-manager when he was here. And uh, this this happened a couple of months ago, but uh, Prasinski, who was the backup catcher for a little bit, I think in 2014. Yeah. Molina was on the the IL and Matheny, um, who is not our favorite manager, um, I, I might add. Uh, he asked Molina, who was on the bench, was like, "Should we pull this guy? How is he feeling?" And Molina was on the IL. He had no idea, but he would he would often give give managerial um, advice and like tell Matheny and and other managers like, "Hey, maybe this guy isn't doing so good. Maybe we should pull this reliever, this starter." And it's not great. It's not great. I mean, so I don't really have like that big a problem with it. I think Yadier Molina has one of the highest baseball IQs of anyone like in the last 20 years to play the game. And so like, if that guy's in your dugout, like, yeah, use him, you know, like let Yadi make decisions if it's going to be better than the manager making decisions. Um, But it does show me like the whole brain trust thing last year that they like referenced literally on every broadcast with like, Oh, Ali Marmol is like so smart and he makes these insane decisions with skip schumacher like maybe that's all just bs and maybe it was just yachty um which like that would make a lot of sense to me because like we're terrible this year and it doesn't seem like marmol makes makes a lot of great decisions um that also tells me that they need to bring yachty back like asap as a coach or something like make him the pitching coach the backup like dusty blake is awful like bring him in somehow make yachty the bench coach do something let Yachty make the mound visits. That's what's really important. Yeah. I don't think Contreras has the same sway. As much as we love Contreras, I don't think he has the same sway as, as Yachty ever did. So if you let Yachty make the mound visits, even if he's not playing anymore, like the, the players that like you put on a Cardinal uniform, you know who Yachty or Molina is. Like you've got to. And yeah, I'm the other thing though, like with the Contreras stuff. Like, there are two things. Number one, I think Contreras' defensive struggles are really overplayed outside of the clubhouse. Because I remember Miles Michaelis coming to his defense. I remember Jordan Montgomery coming to his defense, and these guys were saying, no, Contreras, like, calls a good game. Contreras does his best. Like, he prepares with me really, really well. He's an intentional prep. Like, his preparation is intentional and deliberate and smart. And, like, those are all really, really, like, that's high praise for a catcher. And I don't see pitchers, like, say that about their catchers all the time. So that really matters that they said that about Contreras. Um, And it tells me that like he really does his due diligence with our pitchers. At the same time, though, just like his regular defensive metrics aren't good. So maybe there's something to be said. But again, it seems like every time the Cardinals like look terrible pitching, they're missing spots that Contreras calls. Like, I don't know. I've seen a lot of uh, fastballs up in the zone get hammered this season. And like Contreras isn't calling those. How often is it a replay with like, you know, Contreras' glove is down here and the pitch is way up here. And like, that's not his fault. So I don't know. And then the other thing is Contreras really has been everything the Cardinals ask him to be. He has a 118 OPS plus this season. Like he's been really good offensively. Sure. It's been hot and cold, but at the end of the day, he's done his job and he's been an okay defender. So, I mean, I don't really think it's fair, like to say he and Molina are different Molina was also a lot of things that like they were never going to ask anybody else to be ever again. Yeah. I don't know. Bring Yachty back. 
because like that's pretty eye opening and I hadn't seen that before today. Um, which like I don't know how I missed that news because it's a really funny video, but it also like that's pretty telling the fact that Yachty was the one making the decisions. Well, everybody, thanks for checking in with us um, for our first September episode. It was a long one, but we had a lot of exciting stuff to say. A lot of names came up for the 2024 rotation. I really hope the Cardinals are having conversations like this internally. Um, that's super important that we actually like figure out this whole pitching thing for next year. Um, but here at New News, we've got a couple really exciting things. We've got some exciting guests lined up for the next few weeks. And then again, so we got to answer Jack's question today. Um, and that was just a YouTube comment. So if you have any questions, please like interact with us. Hop in our DMs on Twitter or Instagram or like comment on our videos because we would love, if you guys have burning questions, we would love to discuss them and answer them. Um, so yeah, you know, again, didn't really expect to be doing this for a last place team in September. It's been a tough season, um, but hey, we got, we got the answers. We can fix the problems. <laughs> um, so thanks everybody. Enjoy another week of Cardinals baseball. We're getting down to the end of the season and clearly we're not going into October. So enjoy what's left. We'll see you guys.